0: I came back Friday night and just shot. It's like a 20, almost about a 24-hour commute just to get back even from London. Um, And so it was just crazy, jet lagging. Um, Didn't really get to sleep good Friday night. Had to wake up already for a church council meeting, 7 a.m. over here at the church. Then I had my kids all day yesterday because my wife um, was out speaking at um, Hope Chapel Olimana's women's retreat. And she did really good out there, and she ministered, and a lot of good stuff going on over there in that church. But I had the kids all day, so I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get rest. And last night, I got like two hours of sleep, so I don't know what's going on with my clock. But praise God, I was smart enough to foresee that happening, and I didn't have to preach to you guys being sleep-deprived, because who knows what would have come out of my mouth, literally. So ahead of time, I said, Pastor Tom, can you please cover for me? I'm coming in. I want to be there. I want to support you, but who knows what I could say. There's danger in that. So I need you to get up up there and cover and take the services. And by the way, I just think it's good that we preach here at Hope Chapel. We're a team. It's not all about, it's just about Pastor Carl and we we worship him. We're a team here and it's a team effort. And we got a lot of amazing speakers and pastors on our staff and they love to preach. And you get blessed by hearing them. And so I get to be blessed this morning. I get to actually come back in my jet lag state and just receive the word from Pastor Tom. So you guys are going to hear from him this morning. Can you guys welcome him as he comes up right now? Come on, do louder than that! Come on, he's good. Awesome, go get him. Oh, all right.
1: Well, let's welcome back Pastor Carl. Come on. Yeah. You gotta go. You gotta go for the pork fat. Come on, bacon. Just do it. Okay. Um, this is. I think it's really odd that um, Carl didn't do that because he's sleep deprived, but. I just had twins, guys. And so, you know what? Things are going to fly out of my mouth. I'm a little loopy right now. Bear with me. An hour ago, I had a bottle on my hand. I didn't wake up for the service. I woke up because babies were crying, okay? Um, So I am sleep deprived. I am jet lagged, and I never even went anywhere, okay? So. but seriously, from the bottom of my heart, um, one of the reasons why I was really excited to preach this weekend was to really thank you guys, um, because I knew you guys were praying. Um, I mean, it was kind of heavy. You know, the, the babies came a little early. They were uh, 34 weeks. They made the golden 34 weeks. Awesome. Um, but they were premature, and they came early, and um, Grace came down with something they call preeclampsia, which means her blood pressure was really high. She was really swollen. Um, she was retaining water, and it was, it was kind of scary for a while. And so um, I was just texting Carl and Kanani every time. And you know what? If you text Kanani, she's going to tell everybody, right? I mean, she, I I—I mean, I knew um, there was prayer coverage in this church. I mean, when you guys fill out that prayer card, seriously, fill that thing out. I, my phone was my prayer card. i Kanani. Bam. And I was just shooting out prayer requests all the time. Um, babies are healthy. They're five pounds. Something not, they're on their way to six pounds. Um, Grace is, is healed completely. Um, there they are. Um, I'll introduce them later. But um, seriously, Grace, is, and she wouldn't like me to put a picture of her now. But I, honestly, she looks like she wasn't even pregnant. I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm, just, I'm saying that so that to give glory to God because God healed her. I mean, she was swollen. You know, she was. I mean, it was, she was retaining water. It wasn't just the pregnancy. It was it was It was scary. Um, There was water in her lungs. Literally, uh, people were coming up to visit us, and they're going, wow, were you even pregnant? She looks normal. And I just want to thank you guys. So praise the Lord for that. Um, Let me introduce you to uh, the the rambunctious boy up there in the front. That's our firstborn, Judah. (coughs) Judah Landeza. Um, He's the one right staring right at us. Um, He's the boy. He was born right at four pounds. And that's Olive on top over there. Uh, she's the girl. She's the Japanese one. I got the Filipino boy. Um, and that's our kids, and they're doing well, so you'll get to see them hopefully soon. Uh, praise God, though, huh? Yeah. All right. Um, so now that I won you over with cuteness, um, I get to, sh- to share this hard message <laughs> to you guys. Um, it's about temptation. Woo! Yeah. Let's celebrate talking about temptation for the next 40 minutes. Uh, I, and I seriously want to pray because I think um, there's some really golden nuggets that Paul has uh, for us in, in 1 Corinthians 10 that I, I, I was reading this and going, whoa, this is, this is pretty cool. There's some practical things of how to deal with temptation, but I want to pray uh, because, uh, come on, guys, right? There's no exception in this room. We all deal with temptation, right? So this is something that we all, including myself, need to hear. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, I want to come before you right now in all humbleness, Lord Jesus. Um, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak, that your, your spirit would flow through here. There's a lot of us that have come in here, um, just like what Pastor Frank and, uh, was praying about. We come in with baggage. We come, with, come here with burdens and strongholds. Um, we've been tempted. We've been tempted this week. We might have been tempted this morning. Um, Lord, help us. And Father God, the promise is, is that you are with us. That you will not push us beyond the limit. We, you will not push us beyond what we can handle. That is the promise. If we have your Holy Spirit, you are with us. And so, Lord, speak to us. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' precious name, we all say, Amen. Amen. All right. So let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. And of course, um, we asked the question, right? What are things that you can't resist? Um, other than pork fat, um, <laughs> um, how many guys love Popeyes? Frank. I make special trips to Kalihi just to drive past Popeyes. I can't resist, right? I drive past Popeyes. I'm on the way to Costco, and I see Popeyes. I see it, and what happens? You crave it, and after you crave it, you drive past it. I'm like, hmm, I'm almost towards Costco. I'm like, I'm turning around. I turned around, right? And and you, you crave it, you want it, and you want it now, and isn't temptation just like that? I mean, it's like you see it or you crave it, and you're like, you think about it for a while. You're just like, you're driving. You're like, you're on your way. I'm, I'm worshiping God. I'm walking with God. Mm-hmm. Right? And we turn around, and we go for it, and we, we're someplace that we don't want to be. And temptation is, is, is really, really like that. And one of the best analogies that I ever heard. How many guys remember Leslie Kegel when he came down here for Leadership Advantage? Um, okay, nobody. Okay. Uh, Leslie Kegel is an amazing pastor from India. Um, He started, I don't even know how many churches. I think it's in the thousands. This guy is an amazing man of God. He's dealt with uh, spiritual things. He's prayed. It's a spiritual realm back in India, man. There's like demonic powers over there. So he has to deal with that with his people, with his congregation. And one of the things he said about temptation, it was the best analogy I, I ever heard. was temptations like a bunch of birds that are flying around your head, right? And you can do a lot of things with those temptations, right? I mean, I'm confessing. I used to have a BB gun when I was a kid. Yeah, a pigeon. Boom, you know. Um, okay, that wasn't that funny. Okay, sorry. I used to do that. Ask my brother. <laughs> uh, you know, and like you can, you can shoot him away. You can shoot him. You can go, no, get rid of those temptations. And one, one of the things he said is, well, you know what happens when it turns into a stronghold or into full-blown sin is when you let that bird land on your head. You let it land on your head, and you just stand still, and right? I mean, if a bird lands on your head, all you have to do is go, right? Move, and it flies away, right? Um, well, it, it, it turns into full-blown sin when you let it land on your head, let it build a nest, <laughs> lay some eggs. Now you have a nest and eggs and more birds on your head, and you're stuck with this thing, and it's, it, it'll, it'll, um, it'll put down roots <laughs> into your brain. And, I, I listened to that and going, whoa, that's, that's how we deal with temptation. We got to shoo it away. We got to catch it before it gets into full blown, blown sin. Amen? Amen. And, and so I want to read from uh, James chapter 1. Um, you don't have to turn there, but James chapter 1, verse 14 says this. And it's the seriousness of temptation that leads to sin. It says this Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Okay? You notice this, this verse starts with one word, temptation. You know what it ends with? Death. I want to get I want I want you guys to get that point, is that temptation, seriously, however small it is and however big it is, however big or small the consequences are, there's death at the end of it. And we got to realize the danger of meddling around. And a lot of us, I think, you know, it's like you hear like the devil made me do it, right? Or I can't help myself. Well, I, I think the scriptures here are going to kind of prove you wrong. That's not true. Even even in this scripture, it says temptation comes from your own desires. Yeah, the devil tempts us, but you know what? We got brains. We have the wisdom of God. We can do stuff about it. Amen. We can do stuff about it. There's practical things that we can do to get to shoo away temptation from our lives. And so let's turn to 1 Corinthians 10, and uh, let's read verse 1. It says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the spiritual, uh, same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, little underline there, so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship Idols, as some of them did, as the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality, as some of them did, causing twenty-three thousand of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, as uh, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble, as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us they were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age if you think you are standing strong be careful not to fall Woo! and here we are if you guys kind of know the story right uh, what Paul is referring to is when the Israelites came out of Egypt right Moses led them out how many of you guys saw 10 commandments uh, if you saw that shows your age okay <laughs> it's with Charles and Hesson, remember? It's like with a beard and everything. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, he's referring to them. They came out of the wilderness, and I mean, they saw amazing things. I mean, think about it. They saw the, the Red Sea parted, they saw manna coming from heaven, quails coming from heaven, they, they saw water come from a rock. I mean, they, they saw miracles of God, they saw the whole Egyptian army killed. And they still fell away. This is amazing to me that they still fell away. Um, and, and Paul's not bragging about them, like, oh, wow, they, they saw all these things. What they're saying is, look at that. They were close to God, right? Moses saw God face to face, right? And they still fell away. They still sinned. And we are no different. We, we can fall. It doesn't matter if I'm the new Christian on the block or I've been a 30-year-old uh, veteran Christian for forever. We still can fall. There's still temptation in our lives. And um, I, I've learned really early in my life that I can learn from bad examples. How many of you guys have ever learned from bad examples? Okay, that you like look at them and go, ooh, I don't want to do that. You know, I learned really, I, I see the, the consequences of, of drugs and drinking and all that. And, and I, I saw it from an early age. I'm like, I don't want to be like that. And I think a lot of us can learn from, our, from bad examples, be observant and go, whoa, that's, that was a bad decision. And when we look at this, Paul is saying the same thing. Take this as a warning. Don't be like these guys. Learn from their bad example. Well, what did they do? They craved evil things. They worshipped idols. They engaged in sexual immorality. They uh, put Christ to the test. They grumbled. And I was kind of looking at these. Like, what, what, are the, what did they do? What are the things that, uh, if you broke them down, they craved evil things. They worshipped God. I think the first three, um, the first three, they were, they were craving their life back in Egypt. Don't you guys agree? They're worshiping idols, right? They're craving, they, they, they lived in Egypt for so long and they're watching the Egyptians and going, well, they did all that stuff. They eat a lot of pork fat. Like, what's going on? I like that. I like, to, they worship those gods. What's going on? And they were in the wilderness. Moses took them out and they're going, oh man, I miss my life back then. That's what they're saying. And so they just got together and said, hey, remember what they did in Egypt? Let's do that. Right? And they engaged in all that stuff. Um, the last two was they put Christ to the test and they grumbled. And if you, if you kind of know the story uh, of the Christ to the test, as some of them did, um, they died from snake bites. You guys remember that story when, when um, this, oh, God just put snakes all over the, the camp of Israel, right? They're grumbling, right? What were they grumbling about? Does anybody remember? Nobody. Okay. Um, <laughs> they were grumbling that there was no food or water right? There's no food or water. Moses, help us. We're, we're starving here, which was actually an absolute lie. Why? Because God gave them manna from heaven, right? God was supplying their needs. What they're really saying is, we're sick of this manna. It doesn't taste good anymore. I want something new. We have no food to eat. They were grumbling, so God sent all these snakes, and they're getting bit by snakes, and, and the venom was hitting, and they were dying, Right? And then they were pleading to, to Moses, 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 please help us, pray to God that you can heal us. And so God told Moses, get a, a staff, put a, a serpent on the staff, and says, anyone who looks at that serpent that is lifted up on that staff, anybody that looks, you'll be healed. Right? And so there were hundreds, I, I don't know the exact number, that looked and they were healed. But guess what? There were many others that died. Now think, I, I, I think about this and go, think about the guy who didn't look, right? All he, he had simple instructions. Okay, you got bit by a snake. You're, you're going to die. Okay, all you got to do is look up at that snake over there, and he's in pain. He's in, you know, he's got bitten by a snake, and he's like, no, I'm not going to look, right? And the guy next to him looks, and you can hear him. He's like, oh, I'm healed. I looked at the snake, and I'm healed. Awesome, and the guy died because he refused to look. Is that, whoa, that, that kind of blows my mind, and how many of you guys know John three sixteen by heart? Right, I know the King James version. Right, the uh, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will have everlasting life." How many of you guys know John uh, chapter three verse fourteen and fifteen? I think it's an amazing verse. I want to read that to you guys right now. It says, "And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness." so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Isn't that an amazing verse? This is right before one of the the biggest verses, John 3.16. When you read John 14 and 15, it says, Just as Moses, when he was in the wilderness, lifted up the snake, right? The instruction was, look at the snake, you'll be healed. Just as the snake was lifted up on the pole, so the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, our Savior, must be lifted up as well. And isn't that the same awesome healing power that we have in Jesus Christ right now that we're sitting right here worshiping our God because all we have to do, right, in our stubbornness, like, oh, in our sin, we're not looking. Oh, I got to look. Oh, 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 okay. Bam. Isn't that amazing? This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I learned this verse from Ralph Moore, Pastor Ralph Moore. I'm like sitting there going, that is a revelation. That is amazing. John 3, 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And it's that simple. That, that's the immediate grace, the amazing grace that Jesus has on us. Um, and so as they were going through this, this is like, you know what? We have Jesus Christ now. We have the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, lifted up that we can look to and to get healed, right? We have an answer to our temptation. And, and I look at this and go, whoa, like I said before, the people in Israel, they're God's prized possession. They saw amazing things. They saw God do amazing miracles, yet they still did not follow him. They still sinned, and some of them died in the wilderness. And what the other thing that tells me is that anybody, seriously, anybody could fall. And that the warning is every single one of us, including me, including Pastor Carl, right, especially us who are leaders, that we don't fall in temptation, right, I actually want, I, sometimes when people come and ask me to become leaders, sometimes I even warn them, like, you might get even hit harder. Because why? You're getting off the bench. You're getting off the couch going, I want to serve the Lord. Guess what? The enemy doesn't like that. And he's going to throw more our, uh, arrows your way. He's going to, let's get more birds around your head, right? So they can build more nests. Stay on guard. Are you, are you hearing me? We need to stay on guard. And that's. That's why we have daily devotions. We read our Bible. We say close to the Lord, is because that's the, sh- the shoeing of the birds. It's like, woo! They're, they're going, there's no place to land. Sorry. <laughs> that's, my, that's my high school days coming through.
0: No place to land.
1: Um, seriously, there was one time I actually got attacked by a bird. This is, there's no spiritual uh, point to this at all. I was in San Francisco. Literally, I was walking around San Francisco. Uh, we were at the Four Square Convention. I was walking around. A crow literally picked at my head. I'm just like, Whoop, boom! I'm like, what the? Okay, that was, yeah. All right. That had no spiritual uh, bearing at all. Um, and here's, here's the one thing I look at that. And I want to I I add this warning to you guys. If, if, if Paul is saying, take this as a warning, well, what do they do? They crave their past. That's the one thing they did. They craved their past. Let me ask you, do you crave your past? Do you crave your BC days, your before Christ days? Do you go, ooh, man, I used to be pretty cool. I was popular. I had friends. I was single, right? I, I, I was pretty, you know, I, I'm, I'm old now. I'll admit that. You know, I have, I have a wife and kids now and responsibilities. I was pretty cool in the 90s. I was Dirty Tom, you know. I didn't. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. I didn't have anybody to clean for, okay. And I, I was into punk rock, and I was in a band, and people looked it's like, "Ooh, you're Tom Tom." I was a cool guy, right? I could. I could crave the past and go, "Ooh, I want to be that. I want to be that guy again." Well, you know what? God is saying, "Forget the past and press on forward. You are redeemed, and I have a plan for you now, right?" And the warning is, if you crave the past. You're not keeping your eye on where God wants you. You're, going, you're always looking back, right? You're looking on Facebook. Oh, I used to go out with that girl. <laughs> you know? You're craving the past and you're looking back. Don't look back. Because you know what's back there when you look back? The cross. The cross is there. He redeemed everything. You're free. Don't look at the past. What's the second thing the Israelites did in the wilderness? Is they, were, they, were, they weren't happy with where they were at the present moment they had discontent. They're grumbling. They're like, they're dissatisfied with the life they had now. And then the warning to us is, are you there too? Are you dissatisfied with the life that you have now? And I know, you know, I, I, I don't know what everyone else is going through. I don't know what your financial troubles are. I don't know what your relationship troubles are. I don't know where you're at. You might be down in the dumps and you're going, you don't know where I am. I don't know where you're at. Okay? But think about the things that you do have. Think about the things that God has given given you and that you're complaining about just like these guys. Ah, I don't like the taste of manna anymore. That food that falls from heaven every single day, a miraculous miracle that just shows up. I'm tired of that. Where's the salt and pepper? I need a steak. Are you dissatisfied with your life right now and you're complaining about the things that God has given you? Well, the warning is temptation is coming your way. Sin will come your way. There will be strongholds in your life. That is the warning. Are you guys hearing me? Is yes. that we don't, be dis- we don't look at the past and we, we're not, you know, it, what does it say in 1 Timothy? I think I've written down here. 1 Timothy, I didn't write it down. Okay. Oh, here it is. 1 Timothy uh, 6, verse 6 says, now godliness with contentment is what? You guys know this? Is great gain. That's the uh, King James version, the new King James version. Godliness with contentment is great gain. we got to live to be content, right, with, God, with God, what God has us, where God has us. Because seriously, if we're content with that, there's a whole amazing future ahead of us where God's going to pour his resources on, and on us. But if we're always looking back or grumbling about the present, then we're not going to receive any of that. and We might die in the wilderness. I don't want to do that. Uh, let's go on, and it's, I think it's an amazing thing here. Amazing verse in First Corinthians ten thirteen. This is worth memorizing. This is worth putting to heart, um, and, and here it is. It says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. How many of you guys love this verse? You should, right? Basically, it's saying this. I mean, uh, think about all the things, the excuses or the lies that are in our head, right? God doesn't care about me right now. I'm alone. God has abandoned me, right? Oh, this sin in my life, this temptation, it's too much. I can't. I don't even have a choice. And some of us are because the struggles are so deep, right, so deeply rooted. It's like It seems like we don't have a choice. I, I know that, right? I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through right now. But I'm saying here, there's a promise we have to hold on to here. And what is the promise is? God, God is always there. He is faithful. He will not allow the temptation that you are, are dealing with. He will, not, he will not push you beyond your limit before, uh, be, uh, above what you can stand. You know what that means? He means he looks at us. And, and all the temptation that is in our life, he looks at us and he goes, you know what? I know you can handle this. The Lord God believes in you even if you don't believe in yourself. You guys hearing me? Yeah. He believes in you, even if you don't believe in yourself. The temptation you're going Imagine the temptation you're going through right now, this week, whatever it is. God's going, you can handle this. I, I have giving, I given you a way out. You might not see it. Ask me about it. Seek me. Read my word. Come on. Get on your knees. Find out because you know what? And it says here, this is an amazing thing. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You notice the word there, it says will, not might. Are you hearing me? Yeah, yeah. That he will show you. Sometimes I think when we're tempted, I know we get caught into it, right? It's like a, it's like a whirlwind. We don't have time to look at, to the Lord. We're just like, oh man, it's like, oh my gosh, Popeye's, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, <laughs> I gotta go, I gotta eat it right now. And you just, you get caught in this whirlwind and you don't have time to go, God, what, I, what can I do? Well, Make time. <laughs> Because God's promises right here says, "I will show you." Not mm, let's see. I'm gonna, I'm looking at Bob here. He's about to sin. Should I give him a way out? Let him. He's not. He's not wavering here. He's going. I will. Promise. It's right here in the Word. Okay. Um, he will. And that's that's the most amazing thing. And and he and, and another amazing thing is is that we have Jesus Christ, our High Priest who understands. That's the main word, who understands what we're going through, which means when you're tempted and you're, you know, it's like one of the, the I think the, the things that we go through when we're tempted, it's like we feel unworthy, right? We feel like, oh, God, or God doesn't understand. God doesn't know what I'm going through. Guess what? Jesus was tempted in every single way, yet did not sin, and he understands. I think you have to know that. That's one of the most comforting things that um, you, you can have when you're in that, in that, that, that storm that Jesus Christ understands. In Hebrews 4, verse 14, it says, So then, since we have a, high, a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. We have a high priest, seriously, right? Not a, not a high priest that is sitting there going, I am so holy, and you cannot not touch me, you know, and I am separated from you, you have a Jesus Christ high priest I understand what you are going through. I am here for you. I can help you. I can lend a helping hand. I will show you the way out. This is an amazing thing that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, and I'm going to read from verse 14, chapter 10, all the way to the end here um, in parts. And um, when, I, when I was reading this, there's some really Practical things that we can learn from the rest of this chapter here, right? We can first of all come on, let's hold on to the promise of, of 1 Corinthians 10:13, amen? amen. That God is faithful, He will ne- never push us beyond our limit, He will always, He will show us a way out. Okay? That's right there, that's a great way of dealing with temptation. But I think there's some practical things we can do, right? God gave us brains, God gave us wisdom. Let's use it, right? Let's not be just like, okay, God, I want you to take care of my temptation. And we just stand there and wait for Him to deal with it. Can't we do stuff about it, right? I mean, I've seen, you know, as uh, uh, dealing with some high schoolers, praying with them, they always come for prayer, like, oh, Tom, can you pray for me? I'm struggling with this. All right, I pray for them, they take no steps to deal with it. They they take no practical steps to deal with it. They just wanted the prayer. They want want to experience the power of God, just like the Israelites did. They want to experience the power of God, but they take no practical steps to cure it, right? God does the healing. God God gives them strength and all that, but they still surround themselves by the sin. They they take no drastic steps because they they don't see at the end of their temptation is death. They don't see the danger in it. And so guess what? I pray for them. God does miraculous things in their lives. And guess what? A couple weeks later, a couple months later, they come back for more prayer for the same thing. I am not going to pray for you anymore if you're not going to help yourself. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Right? And so um, God is always there, but we got we to gotta do our part. And so there's some practical advice here. And um, let's go to 14. And the first, if you're taking notes, I have four things I want to share with you guys. The first thing is, is to stay clear from what tempts you. Stay clear, stay way clear of what tempts you. In verse 14, it says, so my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Right? Worshiping of idols is sin. Right? So he says, flee from it. Don't go by the temple. Don't even look at the idols. Don't hang around those people that, that worship them. Flee, right? The, he, doesn't, he doesn't use the word walk away. He doesn't, he doesn't use... He doesn't even just say, uh, don't do it. He says, flee. And when you, when you flee from something, you're kind of afraid of it, or you actually see the danger of it, right? Um, me and Grace, we like to surf crouching lions. There's a lot of sharks there. We know some people that got bit there, okay? We still, we're idiots, we still surf there, okay? Um, and so one time, Grace and I were surfing all by ourselves, out of crouching lions, And um, I saw someone paddling out in the channel. I'm like, hey, all right, there's someone paddling out, okay? Grace looked. She's all, that's not a person. And I looked again. I'm all, you're right. Let's go in. (laughs) It was something huge. I don't know what it was. It could be something that could eat us. I was, we fleed. (laughs) Are you getting me? We fleed the scene. We are not staying there. I don't care how good it was. I'm not going out. I'm not staying out, okay? But do you guys do that with your sin? Do, do you guys do that with your, are you kind of meddling around and walking around wherever that, ooh, there's that temptation where that computer is. That's where it is, you know, that website or wherever it is, okay? Are you guys kind of getting close? Or are, you, or are you hanging around the people like, ooh, like, or, or, right? And I don't think it happens too much in this. Are you like just the Sunday morning. Uh, person that comes on Sunday morning, get your, get your church fixed and just sin throughout the week, and get forgiveness on Sunday, right? And God's saying, don't, don't do that, okay? Flee from your sin, right? Run away from it. Um, the second point, the second advice I think Paul gives us here is, he says, don't play on both sides of the fence, Right? Don't play on both sides of the fence. And what the fence means is here's God's side and here's the world's side, right? Are you, are you straddling the fence? Are you kind of hopping it? Like I said before, are you going Sunday, Monday through Saturday, woo you know? Um, and then come on Sunday and get repentance. And um, I think God is asking us to get rid of our double lives. We got to be integrous, which means we got to be the same person wherever we're at, with the same people. It says this in verse 15. It says, You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup of the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Uh, weren't they united by eating the sacrifices on the altar? What am I trying to say? I am saying that food offered to idols have some, have some significance or that idols are real gods. No, not at all. I am saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. You, and here's the main verse. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons too. What? Do we dare to rouse the Lord's jealousy? Do you think we are stronger than he is? What he's saying here is, right? You can't just enjoy both worlds. You gotta eat your cake and uh, have your cake and eat it too, right? He's saying don't jump on both sides of the fence here. Um, I think the message version says verse 21 in a very poignant way, and it says this, and you can't have it both ways. Banqueting with the master one day and slumming with demons the next. Besides, the master won't put up with it. He wants us, I love this, all or nothing. Do you think you can get off with anything less? Now, maybe some of you guys look at this, whoa, that's a harsh verse, man, all or nothing? What? That's what God is asking for us? I look at this verse and go, God wants all of me. I look at that as as hope going, God looks at me as His precious possession, right? Just as He looked at Israel coming out of Egypt, going, "That's my precious possession," and you don't, you still don't want to worship me? I look at that. I look. At, I look at the opposite way, going, "God wants all of me." That's a loving God. He doesn't want half of me, right? Right? I, I have. I don't want half my children. I'll keep the boy, Grace. You can keep the girl. You know, <laughs> right? I want, he, God wants, isn't that amazing? I guess, know the, the love of God, that he wants all of you. And you know what? I love that last line in that verse. It says, uh, i am going to find it. Where is it? He doesn't want anything less. I mean, that, that, to me, that's, that, that's our relationship with God that we should have. And I, I know for some of us, I don't want you, I, seriously, I, I don't want you guys to walk out here condemned. I don't. I want you guys to have hope. Because I'm, I'm trying to give you tools. It's like if you if you are playing the, the two sides of the fence, if you have a double life, if you're, if you're one person one day and then and, and with other people you're the next and you're, you're, you are act in a different way, well, find a way to get yourself where you're the same person wherever you are. You're the lover of God. You're the worshiper of God. When you walk out these doors, you're the same person, right? Try, try and do that. I mean, you know, a lot of the high schoolers when I was in the, the – the high school pastor, it's like, you know, they'd be someone at church, and they go on Facebook, right? They could be the most introverted, quietest girls, right? They go on Facebook, they're like talking in rap. They're like, yo, 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 yippee, yo. I'm like, who are you? Like, you're that same, like, hello, hi, Pastor Tom, how you doing? And Praise the Lord, you know? And they go, they go on, and some of the pictures they post, I'm like, who are you? you? Have a there's a double life there, and you're living. In, you're, you're you're playing. Um, you're living life on the edge because it's, Satan wants that. And go yeah, hide some of that right. Be like this here and be like there because you're gonna. I can keep you in this little realm here, right? You're just giving the enemy more opportunities for strongholds to build that nest. The third thing um, that Paul gives us is, and uh, this is a different angle, I think, that, you know, um, of dealing with temptation. It's, it's an attitude thing. You know, when I, when I was young, I read a book about, you know, dealing with lust. And, um, you know, because, you know, young boy, you deal with lust, right? It's like girls and whatever it is. You went through puberty and all that. I remember reading a book about lust. And it said, here's how you can deal with lust. Do 10 push-ups. <laughs> After that, do 10 sit-ups. After that, run around the block. That lasted, I don't even think I made it around the block, actually. I'm just, like, done with this, right? And you know what? Um, What I'm giving here is not an extensive list of how to deal with temptation. These are just suggestions, right, of how you can deal with it. And so here's a different angle is be concerned. Number three is be concerned of how your actions will affect others. Be concerned of other people. I, I think this is a good technique of how to deal with temptation. Why? If you think about temptation right? Most temptation, I I believe, most temptation is a very selfish act. Most sin is a selfish act, right? It's all about you. So when you're tempted, you're going, ooh, I'm going to lie to cover up something that I did, or I'm going to get angry because I'm not getting what I deserve, or I'm going to lust because I want to just enjoy that for the moment for myself, right? Temptation is kind of a selfish thing. Well, guess what? If you're thinking of others, well, then you're not thinking of yourself anymore. You getting me? Right? What does it what say Rick Warren? It says, it's not about you. Well, it's live like that. It's not about us. Right? Um, it says this in verse 23. It says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And here's the verse. It says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. I, I really believe that our, our temptations, our sin in our lives, whether we know it or not, they affect other people. Do you guys agree? Yeah. They affect other people. I mean, whether it's like you're trying to like, you know, hide and you're just like, I'm trying to be good and holy. And like It affects the way you are, the way you project yourself, the, your, your spouse, your kids, right, your friends, your coworkers. It affects them without you even knowing them, right? Um, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm a family man now. I'm a fa- I have a family of four. I'm a, we're a family of four now, right? <laughs> And seriously, I, and all the fathers are come up to me is all, welcome to the club, right? <laughs> welcome to this level, and you know what, you're right. I, I'm at another level because it's like, I have more people to think about, you know? And I'm, I'll, I'll confess to you guys, I'm a horrible driver. I really am, I, I like to play music, I like to sing, I like to play drums while I'm driving. I, I am not attentive when I drive, okay? Seriously, right now, I am the slowest driver right now. <laughs> I am the more, you're the guy that you don't want to be behind me. You do, I, without my kids, I'm practicing with my kids. I'm like, nope, if I, I got to think, I got the two of them back there. I got to drive real slow. I'm like, 10 and 2. I'm like, you know, I'm just like, you know I was like, I am becoming a better person for others, right? You know, I like watching Anthony Bourdain, No Reservations, right? I love, I can watch the same episode over and over and over again, Okay. I have my kids, right? They're they're not even preemies. They're like 36 weeks, you know? I'm like going, Anthony Bourdain has a potty mouth. (laughs) I am not watching him anymore. Get the kids away, right? I want to be a better person, right? I want to get the temptation. I want to shoo the birds away so that the people around me can be more blessed, right? I'm not thinking about myself anymore. I'm thinking about the others around me. Um, And the fourth one, and it kind of relates to the third one, the fourth point that, that Paul gives us is, do what is best for others, now here's the biggie, so that many may be saved. I mean, isn't it all about salvation here? We're here on earth. What did Jesus Christ command us to do, right? At the end of Matthew, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. That is a commandment which means we need to build the kingdom of God. We need to see people come to Christ, right? That's the commandment. You're thinking, Tom, this is not an evangelism message. This is about temptation. Well, you know what? Wouldn't you want to be the shining light of Jesus Christ? Wouldn't you want to be the best example you can, right? Just what, what Paul is saying. I want to be the best I can so that people's souls can be saved. I don't want my sin or my temptation to get in the way. I'll, I'll lock myself in my little room, just stuck in my little sin, not affecting anybody. And guess what? That's where the enemy wants you to be. You're not doing anything because you're stuck in your sin, right? There's souls that you know that can be saved that know Jesus Christ. But nope, you're stuck in your sin. Awesome. And what, he, what Paul is saying here, do your best. Get rid of that stuff in your lives. And think about it. If, you're, if you... If you have a passion for the loss, which we all should, right? If you have a passion for the lost, you don't have time for that temptation. Right. It's like, hey, get out of my, I got, I got work to do. I got souls to get saved. Come on, I got, I got work to do. You know, um, you know in my neighbor, I, I work in, I mean, how many guys live in an apartment complex? It's like you can't fight real loud, you know? <laughs> you, can't sw- you can't watch, your, you can't listen to your, I mean, I remember when I first moved into the complex, I just blasted my radio. First thing, first half an hour in my apartment, my neighbor who was a policeman, right? I opened the door. Hey, the walls are tin, you know. (laughs) They're tin? No, tin. Oh, thin. Okay. (laughs) The the walls are tin. I'm like, okay. So I got to watch out. And so, you know what? I mean, when Grace and I, you know, when we first got married, we got into fights, right? How many guys, couples get into fights? We got into some loud fights, and I said some stuff that I shouldn't have said. You know, it's like, ah, <laughs> you know. And one thing I was convicted about is okay, I want to be a better husband, of course, for my wife. But I want to be a better husband so that I'm a shining example to my neighbors. So, I can, so if I ever want to invite him to church or talk to, to, uh, talk to him about God or pray with him, he's not going, oh, that's the guy who re- yelled all that stuff to his wife. Think about that, right? I want to be a better example. Not be per- God, We're not perfect. We have all our problems, but don't you want to try your best? That's what Paul is saying. Yeah. Try your best so that many... He's, he, he's shooting for the stars here. I want you guys to start... You're not. It's not like so that my one person can be saved. He's saying every single one of us can have this idea that I in my lifetime many can be saved through my influence. Okay? Um, and I hope you guys, I mean... Just take this advice. I mean, I, I read this and go, whoa, this is it's kind of a cool way of looking, you know, other than just the I gotta do 10 push-ups, gotta get my mind off of gotta get my mind off of sin, you know. Um, it's it's about really at the end of it, it's going having a passion for others, and and letting that cure, cure your your temptation and the strongholds in your life because you're you're just you're doing God's work, and I think if we just kind of like do that, it, we're, we're in a good place. But let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I want to come before you right now. I want to thank you, God, for your word, just the stuff that you say, that you gave to Paul, um, just his passion for the loss and his, his passion for others that really helps us to be better people, to, to, to handle the temptations that are in our lives. And so I just pray for every single one of us, God. We all have the birds that are flying around. We all have stuff in our lives. We have... And for some of us, there's birds that have been laying eggs and building nests for years. And Lord, for those people, for, for all of us, Lord, that you would help us, strengthen us, Lord, that we would stand on your word that says that you are always faithful, you will push us beyond our limit, that you will always, you will show us a way out, Lord. I pray that you would show these people a way out, Lord, that they would take steps to get healed, to get delivered, Lord, we have a great prayer and healing service on, on Thursday night that had 140 people at it because there are people that are taking proactive steps to get rid of their strongholds and temptations in their lives. Lord, let us be people that will take proactive steps because we want to be the best shining ambassadors for you, God. Let us be that in Jesus' precious name. With everyone's uh, head bowed, eyes closed, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone to look up to the cross for the first time. You know, just how Moses lifted up to the serpent um, in the wilderness. He said, look at the serpent and be healed. Well, guess what? We have Jesus Christ who was lifted up on the cross, and all we need to do is look up to him and go, I believe in what you did, and I can be healed and forgiven and set free. If that's something you've never done, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I'm going to say a prayer in about 30 seconds that you can do that. You can say to Jesus Christ, I believe what you did on the cross. You died for me. Three days later, you rose rose from the grave through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, I am forgiven. I am set free. I am a Christian. I am a child of God. And I want to give you an opportunity to become a child of God this morning. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to play on the other side of the fence anymore. He wants you. He wants you all. And if you want that this morning, I I want to say a prayer with you. But I want you to tell me that you're going to be praying with me just by simply right now. I'm going to count to three and just raise your hand and tell me that you want to pray with me. Here we go. One, two, three. Does anybody want that this morning? Got one. Got two. Awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Incredible. Best decision you'll ever make in your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, And say this prayer like it's your own. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. I believe what you did on the cross. I proclaim that you are Lord above all. You are Lord of lords, King of all kings. Thank you for forgiving me. I believe what you did on the cross. I believe you rose again uh, from the grave and that you are alive and a living God. I give you my life. I give you my everything. You are my God. In Jesus' precious name we all say amen. Amen. Let's give those two people a hand. All right.